to Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Welcome to another episode of Midlife Moxie. I'm Gail. And I'm Christina. And we're so excited today because we're going to talk about all the lady parts. And I have a dear friend here, Rachel Stuckey Easterwood. She is a women's health nurse practitioner and the girl is board certified. So she knows her stuff. So welcome, Rachel. Hi, thank you for so even though Rachel's only 35, her experience in this field um, is going to let her talk to us with great information and intelligence about this subject. So Rachel, tell us how you wound up in the field of women's health. Well, I was for a long time. Um, I love taking care of how it is kind of the intersection of public health and um, social justice and this whole group of people that's half of our population but for the large part of modern medicine have kind of been an afterthought and i was a labor and delivery nurse i didn't love the labor and birth stuff i don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night for that so i <laughs> decided to be a women's health nurse practitioner so you deal with the gynecological side, not the OBG, uh, let's say, I can't say that word. OBG. Obstetrics. I do. Obstetrics side. I do both. I don't deliver babies though. But your daddy does. My daddy does. He does it all. So you, you've got it in your blood too, right? Yes, I sure do. Okay, well, I love that because I do think, I, I believe, and Christina can speak to this too, I think women's health has been, like you say, an afterthought. It's been like, oh, we have help, and then, okay, you can go see your OBGYN or whatever. And women's health is important. You know, without us, the babies aren't born, and without us, there's not healthy mommies, and there's just a lot more that goes into our health. Don't you think, Christina? Absolutely, absolutely, I do. You know, one of the things they say, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel, is that at 40, you've got to go in and do some other search arounds in your, in your lady parts. <laughs> um, is, is that, is that been your, has that been your experience? Well, at, at 40, it's when you start getting mammograms, which is exciting and a whole new thing. Um, but with age... Um, your body start changing, your periods start changing, all of those things start changing. And so it is a good time to just make sure that everything while it is changing is changing as expected and um, is a healthy change versus a change from um, some other problem. I guess part of it too, we can say is, is everything where it's supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a huge, huge, huge range of um, 
normal or where it's supposed to be. Um, I, I've seen a whole lot of vaginas and I've probably seen <laughs> one or two that maybe were clinically abnormal looking. So wow. the, the, yeah, the chance, the chance yeah. of you having an abnormal or problematic vagina or vulva or labia are very, very slim. Well, we're going to get into what's normal, but first I want to talk about some terms, specifically perimenopause and menopause, because I think we those are thrown around a lot, and we even say it differently. Like we'll say, I'm postmenopausal, but doesn't the term menopause include the time when you have the cessation of your menstrual period through the end of your life? I'm really confused on how people use these terms, so clear it up for us, Rachel. Okay, so perimenopause. Peri means around, so around menopause, but really we use it to mean like before menopause. Not your whole life before menopause, but just the short period before true menopause. So that's like onset of symptoms typically takes about four years before you have your last menses or period. Um, so that perimenopause usually lasts about four years. Um, oh, menopause. Good news, huh? good yes. news. Four years of the preliminary. Yes. Menopause is the stopping of your period itself. So it's defined as 12 months without a period. Usually happens somewhere between about 40 and about 60. Um, the average age in the U.S. is 51. So there's a huge range, again, a huge range of normal. Um, but that is menopause is actually the stopping of your period. So it's so, when it has stopped and the time thereafter, we would be called in menopause. Well, we actually we call that postmenopause. So you could call that menopause if you wanted to, but uh, medical terminology and healthcare terminology calls calls it postmenopause. So once your periods have stopped for a whole year, you are then postmenopausal. Okay, so what is included in the menopause? I mean, what range are we looking at there? What's the difference between the peri and the menopause period? The, the menopause is just the stopping of the period. So it's usually 12 months or it, it, it is 12 months of no period is how we define it. You'll still have oftentimes the symptoms of perimenopause. Um, menopause itself is a very brief part of the whole menopause spectrum. Wow, and it's brief. I love that you just said it's brief because I think when you're in menopause or you're around menopausal age, you don't feel like it's no, because no. <laughs> right there's there's things going on that that happen and so can we talk a little bit about you know what what we should expect um what what that really looks like yeah absolutely so you don't just unless you have surgical menopause from having your ovaries removed you kind of ease into menopause so you don't and when I say into menopause, I'm including like perimenopause. You don't. I like to use the term ease. It, <laughs> That's a <laughs> sure. You, you don't just wake up one day and start having hot flashes every couple of hours. You kind of start your first hot flash. You may um, not even realize it was a hot flash. You may wonder, are you sick? Do you have a fever? What the heck just happened? It may be a while before you have another one. And then... 
um, that you may have several before you even realize you're really having hot flashes. Then so, that normally the first symptom? That is normally one of the first symptoms. So first symptoms are typically a change to your period. Some people's get closer together at first. Some people's get further apart at first. Um, and then hot flashes and night sweats. And night sweats are really just hot flashes that happen at night. So those are, those are typically the first, um, but like, you know, everyone's periods are different. Everyone's pregnancies are different. Everyone's menopause is different too. Got it. So really the time we're experiencing all these symptoms is technically perimenopause. Yes. Good to yeah. know. I like to be scientifically accurate. It's kind of my jam. Yes. So, yes. So you'll, you'll have all these symptoms during perimenopause, you'll probably have symptoms during that 12 months of no period leading up to the menopause mark. And then you may also have symptoms postmenopausal as well. But they do, they ease off. So it's, it's kind of like a bell curve. Hmm. So that ease off period, how long does that last? That is very patient dependent and person dependent. Um, I've had people in their 80s tell me that they still have one hot flash a week. Oh my See, gosh. Yeah, I think I'm still struggling with some of that. Yeah. And that's very, um, but they, they just say it, you know, it's part of life. It's manageable. Having one hot flash a week sounds much more manageable than when you're in the thick of it all. It sucks. That let's just be, clear. it does. I'm it just... sucks. Yes. So, in a nutshell, kind of, what are the things that women should most likely expect during the perimenopause period that that are pretty much across the board? What do you see? Maybe the three, four things that you know you can just count on. These things are going to happen. Yeah. So typically, well, obviously your period stops because that's part of it. Typically, hot flashes and night sweats. About seventy-five percent of women have hot flashes to some extent. Um, and then vaginal dryness and atrophy is a part of it, um, decreased libido, and then all kinds of mood problems like mood swings, irritability, forgetfulness, insomnia, all kinds of things like that. Good times. So, so is that why, I mean, can we, can we just stop there with the hormone stuff? And is this why, you know, we tend to be categorized as being and I'm doing my air quotes, bitchy, you know, cause it can be. May, maybe to an extent, like, uh, but then you add in the fact that okay. you're woken up at night, sweating, you're hot mm -hmm. all the time. So I think that those are just compounding factors to so the irritability and everything that goes along with it. Do the hormones yeah. actually cause a personality change or mood changes, like literally. They, they can for some people. So we can they all claim that. We can, we, can, we can go with that if we need to. You can claim it if you want to. <laughs> oh that my is gosh. not, that's not for everyone. Just like some people can't take birth control pills because it makes them um, depressed or anxious. It's the same. They're the same hormones that come into play during menopause. Hmm. Interesting. Because I didn't know if it was really the hormones, 
or if it was my frustration with being hot, tired and bleeding to death, you know, it's definitely a combination, but you can yeah. blame it on the hormones. If you, if you so like are to. justified in being bitchy yes. during that season. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know for me, I don't know about you, Gail, but I know for me, when I'm going through a hot flash, um, I panic and then I get very, like, I don't know what to do with my body. Um, and so I can see how the, the mood can shift from person to person based on how they react to the hot flash. Have you seen that as well, Rachel? Yes. Some people, like you said, panic and they can't get enough clothes off. And then some people just kind of take <laughs> off their sweater and just think like, this will be over soon. And it's just, I mean, just like we're all individual, our reactions to them are so individual. But there's no right or wrong way to do it. It may be angry and frustrated because, you know, especially like you're trying to put on your makeup or you've yes. got your makeup on or you're headed somewhere. And I mean, literally the roots of your hair are sweaty and there's not enough clothes you can take off in the nope. world. <laughs> but then if you get really good and sweaty when it ends and then you've cranked up the air conditioner, the fan, the freezer, all these things, then you're almost frostbitten. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good times. No, good times. You know what I wonder? We should do an experiment. Our listeners, if you are out there and you want to do this experiment, have a hot flash, jump in the pool and tell us if you're still hot. Because I'd really like to know if the pool works. If it does, I'm going to build myself one. Like I have I had patients get in a cold shower. Now, they say it works. I don't know that that would be worth it to me to get in a miserably <laughs> cold shower, but... I have had patients say that it, it does work and it's also not something that you could reasonably do every time you have a hot flash. Obviously, right? Because, sure. you know, you, you flash in, in places where you're like, okay, I'm not yes. expecting this. So let's let's kind of shift here because we're, we're uh, talking about the hot flash. I want to ask one more question about hot flashes, okay. Christine. Okay. What really causes the hot flash? Like what medically, scientifically, makes us have just like this sudden inferno from the inside out. So the, just the hormone changes that happen in your body, it kind of freaks your brain out. So your brain is in charge of controlling your blood pressure and your temperature. And it just goes through this period of not being able to regulate your body temperature very well. So just like being sick causes you to have a fever, you know, when, you, when you're mm -hmm. sick, it causes your brain to make your temp go up and make you have a fever. It happens the same with menopause and perimenopause. So no one can say this is just in your head. Absolutely not. It is in your head. <laughs> well, it, it is, you're right. It Literally is in your head, in your head. head but not it, in We're way. not making this up. We're not just a little warm. Right. Right. No, it's like a, it's like a real thing that happens. And so I I love that we laid that down. It, it is it is in our brain. It does affect things. And one of the things that I have noticed and maybe you can you can talk to us a little bit about this is what happens to our smells? You know, we're we're hot flashing. We've got deodorant in all of our lady parts and we're still like, what is that? Right. 
Yeah. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I just find it super like yeah. interesting. Yeah, so for one, one thing is you're just sweating a lot more than normal. Um, so you're having these hot flashes. It mostly, most of the time people feel them like in their face and their neck and their chest, but they, you know, your whole body can sweat with it. So you're sweating more than normal you're sweating all that much your sweat becomes concentrated and it smells worse than typical sweat um and then you know your vaginal smells can change too like your the smell of your vaginal discharge um the amount of discharge changes the ph can change so it makes sense that the smell can change um but don't forget that just because you're menopausal or perimenopausal you can still get infections and all kinds of stuff like that. So if it's a concerning smell at all, it needs to be, you know, checked out and addressed by a healthcare provider. Okay. Well, let's talk about this in particular. Okay. I'm an athlete. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. I've known you for almost 20 years, Rachel. I was an yes. athlete. I've been in a variety of sizes. I've done all different things, but like as an athlete, I never smell like my armpits. I never stop. Mm-hmm. Now, that I'm postmenopausal, my yeah. armpits smell like a freaking horse after the Kentucky Derby. Oh I mean, I scrub them, I shave them, I use special soap on them, I use every deodorizing fragrancing product you can find. Mm-hmm. And I, my armpits still stink. Now, I don't think people are smelling me across the room, but I know. So, yeah. what the hell's up with that? Well, like I said, you're sweat gets more concentrated so you i'm sure when you were an athlete you sweated and sweated and sweated and you it was not a big deal but think about sweating all that same amount of sweat but concentrated sweat Mm. so have you can i say a a name brand of something on here yeah have you tried lumi i have didn't work it didn't work you're the only, you're the only person I've ever had say it didn't work. I'm special, I'm telling you. But I'm excited to tell our listeners that we do have a new partnership with Boobalicious. And I'm Ooh, so excited okay. about it. It's all natural skin hygiene products. You can find these at loveboobalicious.com, L-U-V, boobalicious.com. And this lady started this company because of boob sweat. And she it's been around a while before it became the thing to talk about. But she makes products for the breast and the other lady parts that are natural and okay for us to use in those parts. And that's really important. We shouldn't just be sticking our regular de- deodorants all these places. So here's what's going to happen for our listeners. If you go to loveboobalicious.com, L-U-V, you're going to get a 10% discount when you use the code word moxie so i'm super excited to try these because i guess i'm rachel i've tried different things but i just never had this problem yeah. before it's just like compounded to okay you're hot okay you're everything and so i'm glad to know i'm not just imagining it and it's not just that i don't wash my armpits well or something so no it's not that at all and i know that some people um become more sensitive to smells and I can't tell you why but with menopause I guess kind of like during pregnancy some people become more sensitive to smells so it it may just be really? that you're yeah 
So you could Some be may have been thinking all along and just didn't know it. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, <laughs> that's not what I have known you a long time and I've never thought that you smelled bad. Okay. okay so maybe if you're sniffing your pits pretty often, well, you're it noticing it. It makes you, you're like so self-conscious, but I do feel like there's more, more, they are more moist. I know everybody really oh, likes that sure. word. Yeah, Everything's more moist, more moist, but except down there <laughs> well if i go where around down there it's moist yeah exactly rachel except I, where you want to be yeah, yeah. My, where my lips is moist but where your vagina is it may not be so moist so let's talk about that does yeah. your vagina dry up rachel well it kind of does i mean that sounds terrible it does so your um skin of your vagina is kept you know, the skin is kept thick and elastic um, with estrogen. It makes sense that as your ovaries stop working and you stop estrogen, that that skin that needs estrogen to stay that way is going to stop being so much discharge, stop being so elastic, and even start um, itching and all of that kind of stuff. Okay, so what do we do to combat that? Like, what are some some things that you would suggest to the people that you you know meet? What what yeah. would you say to them? So I think that most people could benefit from some vaginal estrogen cream. So it's like taking an estrogen or getting an estrogen shot. It's like Neosporin on a cut. You don't, you're not absorbing it through your whole body. It's with your hot flashes or anything, but you put it on the skin. You can put it in your vagina. You can put it on your vulva. Um, it helps keep that skin thicker, more elastic, and more lubricated. There are other. Huh? Is that a is that like a compound of some sort that you would you would just go to the doctor and say I need. So they, <laughs> they're all prescription. So you would um, a provider and either it can be compounded at a compound pharmacy, meaning it's made specifically for you, or they do have vaginal estrogens. Most of them are in cream. Some of them come in pills, which are convenient. Um, you just put the pill in your vagina, but then you don't, there's, there's no it. So if you wanted to put your vulva also, you can't rub the pill on there or anything like that. And then you could, but <laughs> you could, I don't think it would work very well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Some people I'm, also I'm dying to know though, Rachel, what percentage of women experience vaginal dryness? Oh, it's percent. Um, I would say probably 100% of women experience it at some point because let me tell you that's something like it's come as a big surprise to some of my friends and that's part of the reason we want to talk about these things and something we're committed to on midlife moxie that there's no more surprises my mother didn't yeah. talk to me about any of this so everything involving menopause except for what I had heard from my mother-in-law and a co-worker 
has been a surprise. So mm-hmm. I've had two friends recently have to go get the JJ cream. And, you know, yeah. one has a very active sex life and it just kind of creeped up on her. The other, oh, y'all, this is horrible. And I'm not going to say her name, but she had not dated in quite some time. And she got a new bow and the time came. And I mean, bleeding. Yep. She goes wow. to the doctor. The doctor says, well, you certainly gave it the old college try. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's only funny in retrospect, and we laugh about it now. But I have to tell you, Rachel, every time you giggle about that, every single time, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this poor lady, her her vajayjay was bleeding all over the place, and all she wanted to do was have a good time with her her new man. With her (laughs) new man. But let's think about it, really. Can you imagine fewer thing that would be more horrific it would I mean, she was mortified i mean it literally like it would not go in y'all yeah literally and i said well you know my next question but let's move <laughs> on from that part but she literally was like abraded like her vagina had to heal is that normal does it happen a lot Typically, with people like that who have not had anything in the vagina for a long time, usually someone would know before it gets that bad. Well, wait, are we under the use it or lose it plan here? Uh-uh. Um, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know, we no. made a joke about that because we were both pretty good girls when we were younger, and we're like, if we had known we were going to lose it, would we have made different choices? Now, my Christian friends, sisters in the Lord have flipped out of their chairs at this moment, but I'm just throwing it out there. You know, we say that, but when you realize you get older, you, if it's not, you lose it. I mean, really, this is a real I am so grateful for all my experiences. I ran around the block numerous times. So it's all good. I had I had a lot of fun. So if she dries up, she dries up. But you know, she it's was, all she, she ran her race. Well, the really good was. news is that this can be fixed for her. So oh. she she's gonna let these abrasions heal, and then she's either gonna vaginal estrogen, or there's some other. Um, Let's-go-there-Rachel-Let's-go-there-Rachel-Let's-go-there-Rachel-Let's-go-there-Rachel-Let's-go-there-Rachel-Let's-go-there-Rachel-Let's-go-there-Rachel-Let's-go-there-
you do an intense of pretty much daily vaginal estrogen for two to three weeks at first, and then you can space it out. So it is something that you need to continue doing, but it's not something every day for the rest of your life. You can do it twice or okay. even less frequently if you want to. I mean, it's for your, your comfort. So you can kind of be the one to decide how often you use it. And then there's also vaginal dilators um, that we use a lot in patients like this who, like you said, he couldn't even get it in. So, and they're used often with a therapist who between either the vaginal estrogen or the hyaluronic acid dilators and the pelvic floor physical therapy, those people can go on to have, you know, great sex lives beyond this terrible incident. Well, that's what we're seeing in the nursing homes now. Like all the, all the oldsters are having some really great sex. Like, I've heard that that, um, STDs are prevalent in our nursing homes. Very, very rapid. They are. Yeah, the Shady Acres. Can we chat a little bit about the, you know, what you think about hormones? Take them, don't take them. yeah, we we yeah. have a we have an ongoing debate here, Gail and I do, because I I do bioidenticals and I I firmly believe in them, um, but some people it's not it's not right for. So tell us the 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 right candidate as pros well, like cons. yeah, pros and cons, and who's the right right fit for that. So really, it is. There's so many factors that go into making the decision. That- you can't a broad record. So it truly is an individual decision that the patient or the woman has to make with their healthcare provider. So I have lots and lots of patients on hormones. I have lots of patients that we treat their perimenopausal symptoms. Um, my mom, my dad's an OBGYN. My mom took hormones. Um, I don't know what I'll do when it's time. I probably will. Um, but so the hormones that we typically use are um, progesterone and testosterone. So those are all hormones that are overweight. Um, and as your ovaries stop working with menopause, they, the amount that you have in your body decreases. So it makes hormones back alleviate some of the problems. Like, Estrogen and progesterone are often used for hot flashes, night sweats, moodiness, all of those types of symptoms of um, menopause and perimenopause. And estrogen, you can get pill patch, cream shot, you can get um, trochee, which is the little dissolvable tablet that either goes under your tongue, between your teeth and your cheek, and you absorb it through your skin that way is about the size of a grain of rice and it's surgically implanted in the fat um the skin usually of your butt cheek so um yeah. everything has risks that's why they're so um, controversial i guess typically in the in the OBGYN world though they're really not that controversial but but outside of us they seem to be pretty controversial so the risks of taking estrogen are 
increased risk of stroke, increased risk of blood clots, increased risk of heart attack, and of breast cancer if you're already at a higher risk than normal baseline risk. So some people, they say, I cannot live like this. I am willing to accept those risks. Um, and people that are candidates for estrogen are people who are obese, who don't smoke, who don't already have high blood pressure, risk of heart attacks or breast cancer. But that doesn't mean that those people can't have them. That just means that they need to understand their risks and provide about them. Um, is that is these lots the risk and benefits are um, as estrogen naming risks and naming benefits but progesterone is considered much safer to take than estrogen um it also causes some sleepiness taking progesterone to treat hot flashes or excuse me night sweats it's kind of a double-edged sword. So it's kind of like a sleeping pill and you're treating your your night sweats at the same time. That sounds like heaven. It is. People <laughs> love it. So I have patients who often only take progesterone. But the thing about if you pick your pill that you want to take, um, or not even, however, whatever form you want to get, you can take progesterone by itself. But if you have a uterus, you cannot estrogen by itself have to take the progesterone with it it keeps your endometrial lining from building up and causing endometrial cancer so some people want to kind of ease into hormones and they'll say well i'll try one of them well you don't if you have a uterus you don't have a choice going to try it's going to have to be strong gotcha and then i i use testosterone a lot too in my patients mm -hmm. um to treat hypoactive sexual desire disorder or decreased libido yeah. um it's it's you it's given in a cream they used to use pills those have kind of gone by the wayside um it's not fda approved this use but we as healthcare providers use things all the time off label the side effects are very Testosterone and the most common ones are acne and facial hair growth. If that happens, nice. we just decrease your dose a little bit. So, so, so Rachel, I, I will tell you, I do bioidenticals and I do droplets. So it's like a tincture almost of, um, you know, my estrogen and my testosterone. And then the cream is the progesterone at night. And, and you do droplets in your... Is that right? Cor yeah, correct, correct. And okay. um, and that was that was interesting to. If you don't do them correctly, it can cause some other things. So I'm I'm glad that we elaborated on what are the effects that that it could cause, uh, because a lot of people don't know that they don't they don't go a step further to understand. Hey, you need to know the benefits, but you also need to know what you're walking into as well. Yes. So I think that that was uh, very, very well spelled out for our audience. And those are yeah. very important. Like I said, you can live without without taking these medications. So you need to understand the risk. And 
I mean, I probably will use them when I need that they're too risky and no one should take them, but you need to understand the risks and know the signs of those problems. Um, and you know, be responsible and accept those risks. If you're going to take this elective medication. Absolutely. Now let me make sure that I'm not just reading something into that. Are you saying that if you can get through without them, that would be the preferred route? I think for me, well, yeah, that is probably the preferred route. Um, so weigh the risk. They're also, and, and I guess consider how bad your symptoms are. Absolutely. I have come in and they say I have hot flashes and I'm a teacher and I can't teach while I'm having hot flashes. Well, that person obviously needs some kind of treatment. And then I have patients that come and say I wake up one time every night and I have my covers off and I'm just going to, I'm going to suffer that make that choice also a lifestyle would be a driver in considering the choice you make yes yeah there's also okay, lots of huh no, oh, go ahead. i was just gonna that. say that, that there are lots of medications that treat these symptoms that are not hormones so if you hormones but are having symptoms that you can't live with go talk to your healthcare provider else you can take interesting that's a great recommendation there okay i want to switch into talking about bleeding yes oh, my <laughs> word so oh in the perimenopause period it's uh, my understanding it's normative to have changes to our menses in both um occurrence um length of that time, amount of blood that we lose, all the things. Is, is that yes. true? Yes. So yes. when does irregular bleeding become a problem? When should we be concerned? Well, you have vaginal bleeding post-menopause. So if you've gone your period and then you have vaginal bleeding, that needs to be checked out. Okay. Um, so what about in the perimenopause period? In the perimenopause, I patients to get that irregular bleeding out. We want to make sure that your irregular bleeding is actually caused by your approach to menopause versus an infection, some other hormonal problem that needs to be fixed, like your thyroid. So. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rachel, for saying that because two years ago to this day, two years ago, mm -hmm. I went because I had, I know, so TMI here. Our listeners are going to be like, she's got vaginal dryness. <laughs> but, but the truth is, is I, I, was, I was having a problem down there and I went to my doctor and I said, what, what's going on? Am I, am I going through menopause? And she went and she ran the test because you can you can run a test, right, Rachel? You, there's a test yeah. that they can check your hormone balances, check you out, see what you need. And she said, "Not even in perimenopause right now. What's happening is you're you're so depleting your cortisol 
because you're so stressed out mm-hmm. that this is occurring and this is shifting. So thank you for bringing light to that as well and saying, hey, there might be something else and we can go and, and check those balances out yes. to make sure that we're correcting the right thing that's going on with our body. I, I absolutely love, love, love that. And um, as soon as I started to take the things that I, um, that I take today, mm-hmm. it started to shift, but now I'm, I'm full blown into this perimenopause. Yeah hot flashing yes stuff which has been not fun (laughs) well there i mean i'm sure you know there are a zillion things that can cause an irregular period yeah and an irregular period itself is not necessarily a problem but it needs to be checked out like you said your cortisol or your thyroid or um your prolactin can be too high so it just needs it's worth checking out just to make sure that you are truly perimenopausal and not assuming that it's because of your age, but really it's a bigger problem that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Okay, Rachel. Yes. My story is quite shocking. Okay. I, (laughs) no one prepared me for this crap, really. I was once in the Verizon store. Oh, no. I used to get my cell phone and they had these cute little stools that were a white material. White. Yes, I said white. Oh my gosh. And they were <laughs> Why would they do leather that? or leather like. And uh-huh. I had on black pants that day and I sat down and you know that moment that you just feel the breakthrough, you feel the leak, you feel the uh-huh. which yep. to me became way more common in menopause. I get up and this chair is covered in blood. Oh my gosh. The store. And of course, about that moment, they call our number because you have to get a number to wait. So I'm literally, I, I consider myself the queen of prepared. So in my purse, I just happen to have some Lysol wipes. So I'm trying to slide one out, slide <laughs> out of the store. I mean, can y'all imagine? And you talk about no. a and I, I school. I'm running to the bathroom and they're calling our number. And Ethan was with me. My, he was probably 12 at the time. And I'm yelling back to him, just tell him what we need. Just tell him what we need. And then, <laughs> you didn't see it on our pants, but I had that happen. And then <laughs> if that's not good enough, we went to eat at a restaurant one night, a Thai restaurant. And it was this cool themed restaurant where they had, um, these offset holes down in the floor. And so you oh got gosh. down on these pillows and dangled your legs and the table was in there. <laughs> so you're sitting on these pillows. So then it's time to get up. Well, I didn't know we were going there. So I had on a little skirt. And so I'm trying to be cautious about my legs anyway. But when I stand up, no joke, y'all, blood hit the side of my leg and a, a drop plopped on the floor. I don't oh mean ran gosh. down my leg. I mean blocked. <laughs> and I had one sanitary protection and underwear, not a G-string, real underwear. That's how bad the crumbs thing was. So the other part is when you went into this restaurant, you didn't have to wear your shoes. Oh so gosh. I'm standing there trying to get up. I've got blood on the pillow, blood running down my leg, blood <laughs> on the floor, and no shoes to run off to the bathroom. So I'm looking at my husband going, Hey, man, my shoes. 
hand me my shoes, hand me my shoes. And oh so I pretended to knock uh, the glass of water over of the pillow. I don't know if you've ever heard this story, Christine. I mean, it's <laughs> and I'm dabbing the pillow, trying to clean the blood off the pillow. And the waitress comes over and she's like, oh, don't worry, I'll get that. And I'm thinking, nope, nope, you won't. So finally, <laughs> bring my shoes. I try to get them on, keeping my knees locked together. And I go to the bathroom and try to clean myself up and just regain some sense of composure. I come out, we go to the car and I get in the car and my husband says, so do we need to stop anywhere on the way home? He's not noticing. <laughs> I mean, how do you bleed in, down your leg and you're turning 17 shades of red? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and no one notices. I mean, those are the kind of experiences I had. So. It made sometimes going places difficult. You're always afraid. And it, for me, it was because I was passing cloths. Right. Large chunks of skin. Is that what you see in a lot of women? Yeah. Is that normal? It. I wouldn't say normal, but it is not unheard of. That amount of bleeding, I would want to address in one way or another. Um, obviously, if you're having so much bleeding that you're like lightheaded or passing out or almost mm -hmm. passing out, that needs to be checked on. But bleeding that's making it where you like can't leave the house, that there are things that can help that. So some patients I put on a birth control pill and they just kind of ride that out until the end of mm -hmm. you know perimenopause. Gail, um, this is so you don't get pregnant again. Yeah. Also right. that. Um, well, that, now let me ask you this. <laughs> Yeah. Because I finally assessed, I kept asking myself, is this the amount of blood I'm losing or is it how I'm losing it? Because this is going to sound so much TMI, but our listeners need to know this. What I realized would happen was that, you know, I would be using a tampon and the clot would slide down between the vaginal wall and the tampon. So therefore, when I had movement or straining, it was uh -huh. like squeezing the clot. And that's what would cause these gushes of blood because the tampon cannot absorb the clot. Right. It's going to happen to you. So, I know I it mean, is. I know. Trust me. I, yeah. Is this well, valid, Rachel, or am I making these stories up in my head about no, what this sounds completely, I mean, this, I've heard stories like this before, maybe not as exciting, but I hear we need like to this. talk about this because I'm sitting there thinking I'm the only human that this is happening to. Right. You're definitely not. But I, I hope you went to someone to see about it. Um, oh, yes. Good. So, you and know, I'm all good now. I'm done, good. baby. Done! Good. Well, well, you know what, Rachel, this, this kind of ties into what we're talking about. So when, when, um, <laughs> when we bleed, I, or at least me, uh -huh. I have noticed, I feel like, um, there is something falling out of my vagina. Okay. It is. Go, wait, what? He's like, what? He's all, he's all, what are you doing? I'm all, my vagina feels like it's falling out. He's like, oh, okay. I don't, what does that mean? I'm like, I'm trying to push it back in. I don't know if this is helping, but man, it feels like just this big ball of weight is trying to come out of my vagina. That's it's your like, uterus. <laughs> it could be. 
We don't know. It could be. Are you trying to ask me about like prolapses? And yes. All that, yes. That yeah. Yes. Let's talk about that. Because I've got another story. When uh, I turned 40 <laughs> and went for my physical, I was talking about, you know, tinkling on myself a little bit. And you know what she said? This woman what? looks me dead in the eyes and all the seriousness of the world says, well, have you noticed anything hanging out down there? <laughs> Okay, no one prepared me that that's a question I might be asked. And so I made it my mission. I would go to all my young under 40 friends and say, beware, they're going to ask you this question. And I had worked in medical for 10 years. I knew these things were possible. I didn't know they were probable. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So yeah, prolapse is when one or more organs, so we're talking about uterus, bladder, or bowel, collapse into the vagina um okay let's just whoa can we pause can we just pause wait a minute yeah. yes uterus yes bowel or what was the other bladder it collapsed into the bladder which in layman's terms you may fall out of your vagina well not the bladder itself doesn't fall out of the vagina. It kind Thank of goodness. it herniates into the vagina. So it, you may feel like a bulge either in the front or the back of your vagina. And that would be your bowel or bladder herniating into the vagina. So it's there's still the vaginal wall there that's keeping your bladder on the other side of the vagina. But the bulk of the bladder or the bulk of that that bowel that's right there can be in the vagina or even could come out of the vagina. Wow. I'm kind of mortified right now, Rachel, not going to lie, not yes. going to lie at all. I'm just like sitting here trying to process what you just said. And now I want to go into the bathroom and do a self-examination. And I would encourage you to. Um, <laughs> look away. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Rachel, what, how common is this? Yeah, it, is, it is very common. There's so many differing degrees of it and that I can't give you like a percentage of people that have any kind of pelvic organ prolapse. Um, but I mean, I would say probably most of my patients over 50 have some degree of it. Now, that is not to say wow. that they have anything hanging out of their body. Sometimes it kind of collapses in on itself, but doesn't come out or sometimes it collapses a little bit only when you strain so things like that and it can are, come out right it can yeah it can so is this is this why i feel like i gotta hold my vagina sometimes when i bleed like i just it, feel like it's that. hard to say via you know phone call it could be um some people their pubic symphysis just gets really irritated during their period that's that piece of cartilage that's kind of right there at your pubic bone um yeah. that's so close that it it may feel like something's falling out but really it's just that your pubic bone right there um very interesting yeah there's really no way for me to know right now. So when does it become a medical problem? I know, let me be clear, I'm not stupid. If anything comes completely out, we know that's a medical emergency. Um, yes. And I remember from my days in medical, y'all, it, it has happened like, it's almost as if your vagina turns like almost inside out, right? Inside out, yeah, yeah. 
Good so, times. Good times. Well, let's talk about risks. So risk factors are age, obesity, having children, um, or not having children, having had vaginal deliveries. Um, chronic constipation is a risk factor for a rectocele or that rectum herniating into the vagina. And um, having had a hysterectomy kind of interrupts the pelvic floor and does make it more likely that you're going to have um, prolapse from the other organs. Well, dang, I thought that would help if you had, didn't push the mm -hmm. about your vagina. Because I had my last child at 35, and I'm telling you, things, yeah. there, there is proof. There is proof that that happened down there. Um, okay, so <laughs> we're coming to the end of our time, but we want to do a lightning round of true or false. Are you ready? Rachel? I'm ready. Okay, okay, true or false, you'll sprout beard hairs. You may. Nice. Oh my gosh. Okay, vaginas can look old. Yes, they can. I know, it totally sucks. Are we most sexually driven as females when we're in our 40s? I cannot give a true or false to that, I'm sorry. It is too complex of an issue. Okay. Hmm, maybe we need to maybe we need to talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Love that. Uh, you can. I would love that. <laughs> yes. Okay. You can enjoy sex into into your golden ears. Absolutely. Wow. Like how long? Forever. Forever. Yeah. It may not continue to be the same type of sex that you have right now. Um, but you can have sexual pleasure with your partner for the rest of your life. What about, you know, said he's 40 kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> what about intercourse? Can, is that forever? It can be. Yeah. As long as, you know, everyone's healthy enough to have sex and all the parts still work, then you can have sex until your 80s or 90s. This time in one of my other episodes, stay healthy so you can have sex longer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You Can you get pregnant until, wait, you can get pregnant until you are completely through menopause? Um. Yes. Ooh, it that's... may not be very likely, but it is still a possibility. Wow. Okay. Your vagina loses laxity. True. So it, it's, she's just going to be a loosey-goosey down there unless we... Well, we've got other things that we can do for that. So we can Hyaluronic do... Hyaluronic acid, right? Hyaluronic acid. We can do vaginal estrogen. We can do pelvic floor physical therapy. Okay. What about Botox in the crop? That is more for um, muscles that are too tight down there. I don't think okay. that's my problem. <laughs> all right one second go right back to okay so like those things can tighten up the old motor down there yes yeah okay, okay. especially well, especially pelvic floor physical therapy can okay well i'm glad you said that because one of our upcoming episodes we already have her scheduled we're gonna have on the the vagina coach that's how you said vagina oh, coach. cool i can't wait for that episode because we're going to talk more about who has but she specifically specializes in that in keeping things working in that way okay that's exciting okay. i know the so, answer to the last one so kegels will help keep things in order it true 
with the caveat that if you need with the pelvic floor physical therapist they may find other muscles that need um different types of exercises so you know it's funny you said that because one of i've got a story for everything you know one of my friend's moms is up in her 80s and she's been going for pelvic floor therapy and mm -hmm. she's telling her daughter that wow i'm feeling things down there I <laughs> I mean, she's telling her daughter and her daughter's just horrified and uh, she's enjoying her pelvic floor therapy. Oh, good. <laughs> well, gosh, I, think, I think we need a pelvic floor therapist, Gail. Yes. <laughs> Rachel, I think our relationship has come full circle because when I met Rachel, she was a teenage girl and she loved the boys and our biggest fear was rachel doing the dipping and doing and now here we are she's an expert on dipping and doing and all things about dipping and doing so <laughs> we've come full circle girl yeah it has come full circle i adore you i adore you i love you i'm so proud of you because we didn't mention this earlier but rachel transitioned from just being a registered nurse to being a nurse practitioner after having two children of her own so raising a family and going back to school at not just any school, Vanderbilt, let's hear it. I mean, mighty wow. Commodores. Wow. I think you qualify as a midlife moxie girl, even though you're lit, you're just shy of midlife, but you've got the moxie girl. So, so, so we are been you thrilled have to have you here. Thank you so much. Will you come back and talk about sex? Let's talk about sex. Let's baby. Baby. Nothing. It's actually my well, yep. well, we love we love sex over here. So, girl, you are welcome back to talk I may all have things. To tell your mom not to listen to the podcast. She oh, may God. think I'm a bad influence anyway. I've seen that. There have been other parents over the years that thought I was a bad influence. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Rachel. This is a wrap on another episode of Midlife Moxie. We want to remind you, if you've got boob sweat, hit up loveboobalicious.com. That's L-U-V, boobalicious.com. Use the code word MOXIE for 10% off all natural skin hygiene products for smells around those boobs and other, other lady parts. And we are so excited to have this partnership with Boobalicious, right, Christina? Yes, absolutely. We are. Can't wait. Can't wait. So Rachel, just thank you again for coming today. We so appreciate you and your time. Um, I, I always leave with, you know, time is such a precious commodity and you were willing to take time out of your busy day to come and talk to us and all of our listeners. And we just want to say thank you so much and please come back and let's talk about sex and for all of our <laughs> listeners. Go and get your moxie on, as my friend Gail always says, go and get your moxie. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.